if you've been listening to our previous podcast on the Ten Commandments. By this point, I hope you will not make the mistake of thinking to yourself, ah, yes, the Eighth Commandment, finally one that I have truly kept. If there's one thing we should learn from the Ten Commandments, it's that we need to be careful not to underestimate what they require of us, nor to overestimate the extent to which we have kept them. Here's what the Eighth Commandment says. You can read it in Exodus chapter 20, verse 15. You shall not steal. It might be helpful to think of the Ten Commandments as slogans. They're meant to be short and memorable, but they don't within themselves explain everything. They are mental placeholders, if you will, that remind us to think about the deeper issues underneath them. Whenever we hear someone using a slogan, it would be dishonest of us to misconstrue what they mean by it. The slogan is simply the catchy saying. We have to ask, what does the speaker intend to convey with this? The same is true of the Ten Commandments. You shall not steal is the slogan. But the rest of the Bible fills in the gaps and gives a more robust sense of all that God means when he says that. The command prohibits robbery and theft, that much is obvious. It forbids wrongfully taking what rightfully belongs to someone else. But it also requires much more of us than that. It requires that we not withhold what is lawful or loving to give. For example, James 5, 4. Behold, the wages of the laborers who mowed your fields, which you kept back by fraud, are crying out against you. And the cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord of hosts. Suppose a a landowner hires laborers to work in his field for a day or a season. Then after all the work is done, he simply refuses to pay them. Maybe he makes up an excuse for why he can't pay them or why they didn't do the job well enough. Technically, he has not taken anything from them, right? But by withholding their wages, he has violated the command not to steal. One of the most common ways the Bible applies the Eighth Commandment is in situations like this where there is an unbalanced power dynamic, where one person is in a position to take advantage of another. Take the frequent biblical prohibitions against usury or excessive interest, for example. Exodus 22 verse 25 says, If you lend money to any of my people with you who is poor, you shall not exact interest from him. Some Christians throughout history have refused to charge interest of any kind under any circumstances. Others have made exceptions for charging interest in capital investments. Surely there is a difference between someone borrowing money to increase their wealth by starting a business or buying property and someone borrowing money because they're simply trying to survive. That distinction seems to be supported by Exodus 22 itself. Listen again. If you lend money to any of my people with you who is poor, you shall not exact interest from him. In other words, if someone is destitute and asks for help, it would be a violation of the Eighth Commandment to make them pay interest. This may have been more common when there were no insurance policies or government safety nets, but there are still instances of this today. Of course, the Eighth Commandment does not require us to loan money to everyone who asks for it. It simply prohibits us from seeing someone's destitution as an opportunity for us to increase our own wealth. Uh, 
the overarching point is that we should not try to get rich off of someone else's hardship. Another common way the Bible applies the Eighth Commandment is by prohibiting unjust measurements. God tells Israel in Leviticus 19, verses 35 and 36, You shall do no wrong in judgment, in measures of length or weight or quantity. You shall have just balances, just weights. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. The book of Proverbs makes this same point on many occasions. For example, Proverbs 11, verse 1, A false balance is an abomination to the Lord but a just weight is his delight. Now, this may seem foreign to us, but in the ancient world, a lot of business was transacted with literal scales that measured literal weights of produce or grain or even currency. And one of the chief forms of fraud was to rig the scales such that you could swindle more than you deserve from the person with whom you were doing business. Over and over, God says that this is a matter of justice, A false balance is an abomination to the Lord, but a just weight is His delight. Most of us do not conduct our business in precisely this same way, but we could surely think of many ways that people defraud one another today, engaging in unjust business practices, predatory marketing, shady accounting or embezzling, Or it could be as simple as an employee wasting time, not doing what their employer is paying them to do. All of those are ways that people get money from others that they do not deserve or have not truly earned. So perhaps one way we could rephrase the Eighth Commandment is that we should not try to take advantage of other people, whether they are people over whom we have power or people who have power over us. It is possible, however, to live an entire life never having stolen anything or defrauding anyone or taking advantage of them, yet still not live up to what the Eighth Commandment requires. Because it does not only prohibit us from unlawfully taking what belongs to someone else, it also requires us to work hard and be generous and be good stewards of what God has entrusted to us. Let me give you some examples of this. Ephesians 4.28, Let the thief no longer steal. But rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. According to Paul, it's not enough for us to avoid stealing. If we want to obey the Eighth Commandment, it means we have to do honest work with our own hands. Of course, there are people with genuine disabilities, but the New Testament makes a distinction between those who are unable to work and those who are simply unwilling. It might seem harsh, but of those who are unwilling to work, Paul says in 2 Thessalonians 3.10, If anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. That was an instruction to the church. And the point is that the church should not subsidize someone who is unwilling to work even though they are able. Of course, we should be eager to help those who are unable, but we should not allow charity to become an excuse or even a motivation for idleness. And anyone who wants to please the Lord should be willing to work to the extent that they are able. There are several reasons why this is so. For one thing, it's a matter of our witness. Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 4, Mind your own affairs and work with your hands as we have instructed you, 
so that you may walk properly before outsiders and be dependent on no one. Our work affects our witness. We should desire to walk properly before outsiders, Paul says, by our diligent, blameless work ethic for the glory of Christ. That's one reason we should be willing to work as much as we're able. The second reason is so that, in Paul's words, we can be dependent on no one. Of course, there are times when we cannot help but be dependent, when we must rely on the kindness and generosity of others. But it should be our ambition not to be a burden on anyone else, not to take away their opportunity to be generous and to help someone else. The third reason we should work hard is so that we ourselves can be generous. Returning to Ephesians 4.28, Paul says, Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. It should be our goal, not only that we would not be a burden on anyone else, but also that we could alleviate the burdens of those who are in need. If you want to obey the Eighth Commandment, don't just avoid stealing. Pursue generosity. Now, we could easily get bogged down in the intricate details of how the Eighth Commandment applies to our lives. But I want to wrap up by stepping back and pointing out some of the truths about God that this command assumes. Each commandment not only tells us what God prohibits or requires, it also reveals the character of God Himself. So here are five truths that the Eighth Commandment implies about God. First, God owns everything, but He gives stewardship of His creation to humans. God owns everything, but He gives stewardship of His creation to humans. If our possessions were truly ours, would God have any right to tell us what to do with them? Of course, they're not truly ours. Everything belongs to Him, and all that we have is on loan from Him. He says in Exodus 19, verse 5, All the earth is mine. He is the creator and owner of all things. We are merely stewards of what is truly His. The second truth is that God has authority to tell us how to steward what He has entrusted to us. God has authority to tell us how to steward what He has entrusted to us. Again, a foolish person might say, Who is God to tell me what to do with my possessions, my property, the things I have acquired and earned? But when you realize that all you think you own is actually what He has entrusted to you, then it becomes clear that He does have the right to instruct us what to do with our money and possessions and with the money and possessions of others. So God has authority to tell us how to steward what He has entrusted to us. Third, God gives specific stewardship to specific people. God gives specific stewardship to specific people. This is what we call private property. When God tells us not to steal, He assumes the fact that there are things which belong to one person and not to another. Or to put it another way, all things belong ultimately to God. But under God, some things belong to one person and not to another. There may be things that communities share, 
but there's also a clear assumption of personal property. Take my home, for example. God has entrusted it to me to be a steward of it. He has not presently entrusted it to anyone else. So for someone to take it would be a violation of the Eighth Commandment. The fourth truth is that God typically gives stewardship over things by means of our responsible, diligent work. God typically gives stewardship over things by means of our responsible, diligent work. In other words, the home in which I live is on loan from God. He owns it. We are to be stewards of it. He has entrusted it to us and not to anyone else. That does not mean, however, that I can stop making mortgage payments. We still have to be responsible to work, to earn income so that we can pay for what God has entrusted to us. It is incumbent upon every able individual, as Paul told the Thessalonians, to do their work quietly and to earn their own living. The fifth truth is that God is wise and good in his distribution of possessions. God is wise and good in his distribution of possessions. At the heart of the Eighth Commandment is the question of whether we truly believe that God is wise and good in the way he has given stewardship to specific people. Stealing short-circuits God's normal means of providing and distributing resources. It calls into question God's wisdom, goodness, and justice. Stealing effectively says to God, you made a mistake. You did not distribute things equitably. I can do better. It is important then that each of us examines our hearts to see if we're allowing discontentment to take root. Contrary to what many people think, the Bible does not say that money is the root of all evil. It says that the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. So where are you placing your love? Jesus says that where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So what do you value more? Do you treasure the one who made you or the things that he made? Do you trust his goodness, wisdom, and justice? Or do you look around and think that he must have made a mistake? Do you surrender to his authority to tell you how to steward what he has entrusted to you? Are you being motivated by his goodness and generosity toward you? As we attempt to apply the Eighth Commandment to our lives, may we heed the words of Psalm 84. A day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the one who trusts in you. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Henderson Baptist Church. If you'd like more information about our church, you can visit us on Facebook or check out our website, hendersonbaptist.org.